This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. You're listening to an irreverent podcast. For more unholy content from our friends, head to irreverent.fm. Hey friends, welcome to the Speaking in Church podcast. Um, I almost forgot the word for podcast there. It's been a day. Uh, I'm Josie and I am joined today by our new friend, Matt Matson. Matt, how are you? How the heck are you? I'm doing great. Oh, <laughs> Josie, how the heck am I? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Great. The, the podcast is podcast. That's the one that's easy to forget sometimes. I know the feeling. <laughs> well, Matt, tell the folks a little bit about yourself. Who are you? Why are you cool? Like those headphones? I like your headphones. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if these headphones are cool. I always get a little self-conscious when I put anybody watching, watching, listening. Uh, big, they're big, goofy, old school headphones. But I like them better than my the little earbuds. I just like them better. Anyway, hey everybody, I'm Matt Madden. Uh I I believe I was put on this planet to help people gather together to talk about the important stuff of life. And I've spent my career doing that a bunch of different ways. And if I'm being real, uh, like probably a year ago, I finally admitted to myself, I wanted to turn my career in a direction of playing a little bit more in the spiritual sandbox and uh, people who care about and explore faith in different ways. And, uh, and so I've I've found myself in this world, the fun world, Josie. Got cool podcasts like you guys, and uh, I've just it's been it's been so wonderful and challenging uh, to dive into the world people who are actively pursuing spirituality and trying to understand it in new ways, constructing constructing back together looking at it as a puzzle finding new metaphors for the way to understand the big questions of life and i just think i'm meant to be here right now so i got lots lots of stories to tell it's a background that i could share but i don't know what's relevant no i love it i mean we're all about new ways to explore spirituality here um uh, probably a little a little much for my parents taste but you know who cares <laughs> Isn't that point? Isn't aren't we all to be a little much for our parents' taste? And some of us are a lot much for our parents' taste. I think that's perfectly okay. Yeah, I'm definitely a lot much, especially for my poor dad. But um, you know, whatever. He's surviving. He can he can deal. Matt, tell yeah. us a little bit about your life story, your testimony. How did you get to where <laughs> you are today? <laughs> yeah, yeah. My life story, my testimony. I've I've been uh obsessed with groups my whole career. So back back life background i'll do the short version but i grew up in michigan grew up in a small working class town in michigan uh, i went to college a whole hour and a half away in michigan it felt like a whole world away that was where like i, I met my first gay friend and i i was like wait what like like there are people out here who do these things and live these lives that 
I didn't, I thought we're just on TV shows that I wasn't supposed to watch. And, <laughs> and I often, I often make that reference, like uh, about how college for some people is a place that either reinforces old life beliefs or so many people for one reason or another, it's a place that just sort of explodes your brain and opens up your soul and allows you to explore. And anyway, so when I went off to college, I, I became, uh, uh, I, I had an experience, I guess is the end of that. So like a great soul expanding experience and sort of accidentally left college wanting to work with college students. And so I spent a bunch of my career working with college students. But the thing that I'm actually passionate about is groups. And so the way I work with colleges is around groups that they get organized in, maybe student clubs or organizations. A large part of my career has been actually working with fraternity sorority, which uh, I've got lots of cool stories to tell there. Uh, but like college students and the, the experience of people together talking about stuff or that were important to them, man, I just got so passionate about that. And, and so that's, that really is what sparked my career. Since then I'm working with groups of all sorts, nonprofit organizations, associations, uh, businesses, civic organizations, churches, a lot of old, uh, old dusty sort of institutions that need new approach, but that are all rooted in one thing. They're all rooted when they're working well. They're all rooted in deep, meaningful human connection, real relationships. And so my, uh, if, if some of my career is sort of about things that go together, number one, helping groups grow. Um, that one, that one pays the bills. Groups need members. They call me in our companies and we grow. But in order to do that, you have to be able to help the people in those groups build meaningful human. So a while ago, we wrote this book called Social Excellence. We dare you. And we've been teaching about just pure for human action, like real, for real people really connect on deeper levels, deeper than most people connect in their normal life. Because when we do that, then we talk about the thing that matter to us and can gather other people together who care about those things that matter to us and do something about it. And that's it. That Like, that's the whole world. There's that old quote, Josie, you know, this old shake quote from Margaret Mead, right? Like the Never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has. It's a nice little quote. The end of it is wild if you think about it. Just at the end of that quote, she says, the only thing that has ever made the world better is when we actually get together and talk about it. Not we tweet about it. Not when we post about it. Not when we get pissed off about it and shout about it at our neighbor. Not when we express our rage alone in a room by shouting to a pillow. When we get together in groups. And I... I think when I learned, when I read that line in that quote, when I was like 22 years old, I was like, holy cow, man, that's what I do for the rest of my life. I'm going to have people do that. And it's funny how that, the amount of ways that that has manifested in my life um, since then. I help people gather together. I help them build meaningful human connection. And I'm doing some new stuff in sort of the spiritual world that is very much about I love that. I mean, I kind of, I don't definitely agree. Um, I'm not really one of the, I'm pretty liberal and I'm pretty annoying about it um, on the internet, <laughs> but I also love 
talk arrogantly, I would say. I love talking to people who have different viewpoints than me because one, I think that I'm correct, which is my downfall. I'm a triple Leo in the horoscope, so you know, very confident <laughs> for those of you who know what that is. I don't really know what that means either, but my friend tells me that I'm, um, yeah, intense. And I love getting in small groups and talking to people who disagree with me and they just think it's odd that I don't get angry. And I'm like, well, I mean, I know why you believe what you believe. I understand the factors of your life and the factors of my life and blah, 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 blah. I get it. Yeah. And growing up in the church, that was not encouraged. It was not encouraged for yeah. you to have your own viewpoint. Um, so how do you think now in the modern evangelical church what are they doing right and what are they doing wrong when it comes to all of this well what they're doing right is uh they're growing uh number work now right they're growing how are they growing selling shame uh it's pretty easy yeah. to sell right everybody's got everybody's got some and if i've got if I've got the cure all all I got to do is dip you in the blood back and it gets rid of your shame. It's, uh, it's a pretty easy sell. So from an organizational growth, or if you look at from social movement uh, point, that's working great. But I think, uh, I think, I think what that lacks, well, I think if you, if you look at a lot of the problems coming, if we're talking big generalities. If we look at a lot of the problems coming out of the evangelical community right now, or if we look at a lot of the society problems that somebody who probably votes closer to you and I might vote uh, would say, like, wait a minute, what's what the hell's on over there? We look at a lot of those things. I think I would come at it from a standpoint of I think there's a lot of folks in those communities who are just lacking the ability to connect in authentic ways. I've I've, I've had conversations with friends about sort of the sexual purity part of even culture how so much of that is about just people are really bad at communicating their own sexual desires to the people mm. that they care about and they just have conversations we could have conversations we could have real we could have real trusting talk about what matters to me and what matters to you and how we may be happy which seems reasonable but when there's a whole culture around you, I mean, and you know this, I know this, like when there's this deep culture around you that is, not, can you not talk about that? But if you like cross any little line, you're the, the, the worst things you can imagine are now upon you. Like, how could you possibly have an honest conversation? Right. So, and that's just maybe one of the more extreme levels of this. This is why. I mean, if, if I if I want to do anything in the world right now, it is to help people realize that the, the space between us is sacred. And when I talk about the space between us, I, I use that phrase a lot. Like Josie, the space between us right now, like it's a digital space. You're probably further west than I am right now, but we're a long ways away from each other. But the space between us, I believe, Matson believes that that's where God lives. Mm. I believe that. We as humans, the only way we can truly tap into real spirituality is there, is in these moments of human connection. And I just think that we sometimes miss that because we are focused on rules or we're focused on rules, we're focused on policies or we're focused on doctrine, we're focused on all, and all of those things are about how we're supposed to connect to each other. Mm. But we forget that. 
we forget that the only thing that we have as humans is this space right here. The only tool we have as a species, the only thing we've actually evolved to be able to do is to talk to each other or not, is to gather together or not. And when we talk to each other and when we gather together, things always are better. And when we don't, they're not. And I just, I've, I've really come to believe that that space between us is sacred. And I think if we could all learn how to have, to have better interactions with each other, I think we, I think the better our interactions are, the thinner the veil between mm. us and God. I, I really believe that the, the shortcut to feeling like you're connected is right here. Having real, like meaningful connection, real conversations. And I think above us live on the surface, man. I don't know. Do, what about you? Do you, are you good at that? Are you good? You're good at, you're good at engaging in uh, debate. You're good at uh, letting people know. You're good at uh, not letting your emotions uh, control your interactions. Are you good at acting in deep ways? Do you feel you are? Yeah, um, I've actually gotten a lot of trouble for it um, because I just, <laughs> I don't care. I don't have shame. I rid myself of that a long time ago because, yeah. you know, culturally, religiously, I was I was told to have shame and I've always been a rebel. So I was like, well, fuck that. I don't feel good doing all this. I don't feel good having yeah. shame. So I'm just going to not do it. And yeah. what I've learned is that I'm not really interested in shallow relationships. I don't have time. And that is, sounds pretty like aggressive, but in the sense that like, I am acutely aware of how short life is. I've had an overwhelming fear of death my whole life. And if from here until death is a finite amount of time, there is not enough of it for me to waste on relationships that don't matter or yeah. on not building my relationships so that they can matter you know yeah. yeah i do know and i think i think even when people realize that even I, I think there's a lot of people like you who who share a feeling that i don't have time for shallow bs relationships in my life but they get stuck with a they get stuck at wall that is built out of a mm. fear of really opening themselves up and when you said like I, I just sort of got rid of shame a while ago that's probably what makes you special that's what made you able to host a podcast like this what that's what allows you yeah. to like dig in with people in the space right and that's that's set you apart i just think so many people go through so much of their life living on the surface and yep. that's that's almost a cliche like i mean this like the monotonous, this, this predictable, this unremarkable feeling that so many people have in their every life. Well, and I mean, how many why. marriages I, are like, I can't even tell my partner that I don't like this sexually, or I don't, how do yeah. I tell my partner that him doing this or she doing that is like really bothering me. And I've never understood that as even like a young married person. Like if my partner is pissing me off, I immediately say, Hey, you're pissing me off. Yeah. And yeah. that's like, a, that's a, one example of surface level, right? Of like keeping the, the yeah. tension on the water nice and clear, but I'm a, I'm a wave person, you know? Yeah, I do know. And, but I, I think that there aren't many wave people. There aren't many people who want to ride waves. I, I've had a few people come into my life like that. Uh, I had a friend named Jessica. Um, that was just a really important part of my life for a big season of my life. And she, I always 
loved, I, I was tried to tell her like how much I loved that her, she would, she ride the, 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 the edge of emotions and, and it would be so clear how she feels all the time. And it almost like, it opened me up, it opened me Midwestern mm. sort of, you know, white bread, you know, like <laughs> I've had a lot of easy, it was easy to stand in a white box in the Midwest. And, and she like, like, I mean, just like opened me up emotionally and helped me understand that like, oh, it's okay to be angry. It's okay mm. to be like passionately loving a friend. It's it's okay to to feel those things. I, you know, I, I was never literally taught that it wasn't okay to do those things, but I was absolutely taught that by the culture around me. By, so I didn't grow up in the evangelical church. Chelsea, I grew up in what's the most boring Methodist Midwest church you can imagine? That's where that's where I. Hey, I'm a Methodist now. We're trying. You know what? I I also go to a church with a Methodist affiliation today. Yep, we're trying. And and and, my God, the the where I grew up, it was my experience was so boring. I mean, so boring (laughs) that I would later in my high school. Like I went to Catholic mass with my girlfriend when I was in high school and it was also the most boring Catholic mass, but at least you kneeled and stuff everyone. At least there was ding and like bread. I don't know. <laughs> like, like the, the, it was so painfully boring. I, I am best to say I was not traumatized by a church experience as a kid, because I know a lot of people really, really were in, in terribly painful ways and in a way that will last a long time. I'm wildly pathetic of that as I've learned more and more about the community, the deconstructing community and just gotten mm. in into real conversations with people. But I, I, I didn't walk away with, I walked away with a, this is just stupid. This is boring. This is not <laughs> yeah. relevant. And I, I didn't get it at all. And it sucked. It wasn't like I left with a scar. It was like I left with an empty cup. I left mm. with a, a a need that went unfulfilled for probably 25 years of my life of me just knowing that I was a spiritual human. I was, I, I, I wanted something sacred, but I didn't know where to find it. It would just show up accidentally in my favorite once in a while in weird little moments, right? These little uh, magical moments that showed up and I, I would crave it, but I didn't know how to get it. It didn't feel like I had either. I had to go to a boring church or I had to go to a French church that scared me. Uh, and yeah. I didn't like either of those. Yeah. I mean, oh gosh, I wish I went to a boring. I mean, my church was boring in the <laughs> sense that like the pastor was boring, but I grew up Pentecostal. Yeah. So how, how boring can the Pentecostals be? Yeah. Right. You know? no, yeah. Like... No, no, no. But I think uh, I lost my train of thought. I hate when that happens. That happens. Anyway, I, I'm, I'm curious. Yeah. I, I, I here's here's a, here's a real question that is maybe specific to the topic that I'm on the podcast and talk about. And that question is ready. What is it? Ha, have you had a conversation? Maybe it was you and Spencer early on when you started this podcast, or somebody else. Maybe it was with your a family member. Maybe it was recent. What's what's a recent conversation or a conversation that you can think of that it felt like. It felt like it was more than you and the other person. It felt like maybe it felt like God was there, or maybe it felt like it felt it felt filled with some sort of spirit. However, you might understand that that metaphorical concept. Uh, is there is there one of those conversations you can think of right now that uh, that that brings you light, or do you maybe brings power, brings energy to you? 
Yeah, wow. I mean, I have these types of conversations a lot. I'm an artist, so I kind of seek that stuff out. But I recently had one of my best friends passed away. Um, She died by suicide. And I remember Mm -hmm. having all these conversations before she died. And she was, before she died, she was in full on mania. So it was an interesting time. Um, But I remember like, there's like this hyper spirituality that comes with mania. And we would have all these spiritual conversations that didn't really matter to me. Like it was too close to what I grew up with and I wasn't really vibing. And then I remember just arguing with her about, this is actually really weird for it to be spiritual. (laughs) We argued about Beto O'Rourke because she (laughs) loved him. She, she thought he was God's gift to politics. And I was like, I don't really like a white guy using a Latin last name to pander to my community. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like, no, like I'm, I'm, he's probably really aligned with a lot of my beliefs. Not very like not all of them, but I was really like, I don't like that. He speaks Spanish out of the blue. Like most of us speak English. Like why are you assuming? And she was just so passionate about it. And we were like, I mean, she was manic, so it was, like, a funny because she was so passionate. It was ridiculous. And I remember, like, yeah. feeling this unconditional love towards her. Like, I was not angry. The friends that we were with were, like, nervous because they were like, oh, my gosh, this white girl is talking to this little Mexican girl about Mexican culture. Yeah. And I just, yeah, I, all I remember is this glow that I felt like there's nothing that she could say, even, like, in her worst state of her life, that would ever make me stop loving her because that yeah. is the type yeah. of life that I've decided to live, to love my friends unconditionally and have these types of conversations. And even like, now that she's gone, I just remember, those are the what I remember, like knowing that she could say whatever she wanted to me and I could say whatever I wanted to her and there was nothing that was ever gonna get between us. Yeah, yeah. What I love about that story, first, thanks for sharing that. Thanks for letting me put you on the spot. I yeah. Know this is your podcast, not mine. Anytime. But, yeah. <laughs> I see, uh, I love that story because it wasn't about Jesus or God. Mm. Like, you, like the topic of the conversation doesn't have spiritual to be a spiritual conversation. I think, exactly. I think that, like that is one of the reasons I love that. And man, I love that conversation because you're talking to somebody who was dealing with real illness moment. Mm. And uh, as somebody who has lived with depression, who has a whole chapter of my, my life story that about working as a, an advocate in the mental health world and uh, helping people with depression and bipolar disorder, lead their support groups to become certified mm. like caregivers. Uh, there is such a, a sense that somebody who is in a manic episode, or who is experiencing mania or is experiencing depression or is experiencing a break, a break of some sort, that they they that, that it's not real or yeah. that it's uh it they're they're experiencing something outside of normal so it doesn't count no it counts yeah. it's real and what a beautiful story what a beautiful moment for you to have as memory of a friend somebody who contributes to your life I, I just think that's beautiful Chelsea thanks for sharing that yeah I mean that's interesting that we co- are connecting on this because I love it I love talking to people about this but I rem- somebody told me once that a lot of people leave you behind in mania, right? Like, I get it. It's hard. And somebody said that before she died, they started grieving the fact that she was gone before 
she died and like so we're all like have been grieving for a long time and i remember like telling like no i i didn't grieve her when she was still here because even if she had stayed that way and she wasn't going to right like things pass um even if she had stayed that way for the rest of her life she was still my friend and i still loved her and all her (laughs) clinical insanity like there was nothing that and i was her caretaker so like there's nothing that would have made me leave short of murdering my dog i guess but even then, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. and i didn't like that like this concept of like that people in their worst state are not themselves like we're all multitudes and we all are allowed yes. to be like and that's part of the spirituality right like we're all allowed to be a million different things and it's funny because now I think like in the in the church and in spirituality and organized religion, you weren't allowed to be a million different things. You were have to be no. you had to fit the mold. Otherwise, you didn't know God or you didn't you weren't spiritually correct or whatever, whatever, whatever. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Heavy. There's, there's it. I've been, I've been having some weird related conversations about the uh parallels in the medical world and the parallels uh, as as they show up in yeah. the sort of world sort of these are we operating from a deficiency mindset or a strength mindset mm-hmm. right in in the in the medical world like i think doctors uh, doctors would bet that most medical school is about find a problem fix a problem right yep. find a problem fix a problem and i think a lot of conservative christianity is about find a problem fix a problem mm-hmm. uh, Honestly, on its surface, we a lot of us value medicine when we're sick, right? Yeah. And I think a lot of church showed up, if we history of church showed up in when people's lives were a lot shorter and they were a lot sicker more often and they had a lot more, right? So not terribly surprising that that's a model that is still in existence in both of those worlds. But I think it, it, certainly in the mental health world, right, we, mm. we know that the mental health world is the, the medical aspect of the mental health world is is challenged by that mindset of, well, fix a, find a problem, fix a problem. Doesn't account for people, old people. Doesn't account for people as multitudes, as you said. It doesn't account for people as beautiful, complex, wild animals. Like, like it doesn't account for that. And, mm. and uh, I think a lot of spirituality doesn't account for that either. And it's part of, part of what, one big aspect of my philosophy is uh, uncertainty. Uh, uh, I, I, I've said where I worship uncertainty. Uh, I think so many people are spending so much time and so much effort right now to try to prove to everybody else that they're right. And, and I find that's absurd. And yeah. as soon as we acknowledge, as soon as we lead in with uncertainty, the conversation gets a lot more interesting. She goes, that you found that as somebody who uh, isn't afraid to challenge other people's beliefs. Yeah, but I mean, you, I say that I love chaos. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. Chaos is where we grow. Chaos yeah. is spiritual. It's infused. It really mm. is. If we see it that way, we're not afraid, right? Like right. I think a lot of just grown up to be afraid of it. Yeah, my partner uh, hates when I say that I love chaos because he is so not into chaos. I mean, he's kind of, he's a scientist, so he's more about the certainty. And I'm like, well, 
if I get cancer, some people would think that the Lord is punishing them. I think, well, my number came up. The chaos of the universe just hit me over the head and gave me cancer. Like that's more comforting for me than anything else. Or like the chaos of, I happen to be born in this little Mexican girl body in a, in the hood of Los Angeles. Like that is just chaos. That is my happenstance. And somebody just happened to be born in rural Midwest in the rural Midwest where the Ku Klux Klan was like everything to everybody like they they couldn't help their circumstances they can learn but we all are victims slash what's the opposite of victims whatever Uh, officiary yeah 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 yeah. we're all of those circumstances yeah 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 that's right yeah yeah so so, this conversation is a few weird wild roller coaster (laughs) times in in really cool ways but but it's felt real to me like let's admit most most past interviews are feeling interviews and every once in a while you have a real conversation i don't know how, how you felt but like for a minute there anyway we were having a real like absolutely it felt like a conversation here's the the reason i say that is this is this is what i'm i'm working on launching in in my little uh so i'm trying to launch this project called between mm-hmm. and the idea is that the space between us is sacred i mean it's uh, uh, me and everybody else is going to drop a, you know, a, a, a Matthew verse here, right? Like yeah. my name there, right? But, but I don't know. I, for me, I look at churches in the U S as things I love. I, I, I they're broke and complicated and mm. messed up and, and at their heart, something that could be good. Uh, mm-hmm. Could often is bad, times is terrible, but could be good. I, I really believe it. And the model of church, I think, is dumb. I think it's hated. I try yeah. people to come to Ben every Sunday to tell to tell me what's wrong with me. It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense in today's modern world. And we're wide part, right? So, so I, part of what part of what I'm trying to launch is sort of this digital ministry. I get to know like. Uh, a digital space, digital form that is very much about helping people see the space between them and other people sacred, helping people think about every conversation they have as a chance to tap into the divinity that is right there, that is right there in space. Uh, I want, I want to help people. I don't want to recruit people into a new church. I want to help people see the Table conversations, you know, cathedrals of connection. I want to help people think about their coffee shop chats as these moments of transcendence. I really want people to think that when they talk to somebody in line at the grocery store, even for a moment, that that could be a moment that lasts forever. That could be a moment that that you can tap into this uh, God's energy. I, like I, that's my language. Like I really believe. That that i want to i want to help people feel that i want to help people take back the church that is right in front of them all the time the church that they can create in the conversations and in their interactions that's what this project is about and it's it's i don't know it's been fun talking to people about it because i i sense a resonance i sense a dire to have conversations that feel like that but i also sense a lot of trepidation around well does that mean i have to evangelize does that mean i have to tell people 
Well, I believe, or what, I'm not a Bible scholar. Do I have? No, no. Just have a regular com, like just yeah, have truly. a regular conversation. That it, turn up the volume on how much you care, how much you're leaning into it, because I think that is, I think the way that we interact with each other, Josie, is our spirituality, is theology come to life. Only way, the only way we as humans, humans are social animals, and the only way that that our beliefs can manifest themselves in the way that we interact with each other. That is, that's all we've got is the way that we interact with each other. Mm. And every time we choose a moment to have a real conversation or not, make eye contact or not, to care or not, to ask the big question or not, every moment we make those choices is a moment that we're tapping into our deepest, I believe, spiritual beliefs. I, I just think conversations transcend being social, I believe they the connection of social and spiritual health, social and spiritual life is really, really close and wraps around each other when it's done right. Yeah, and I think it's also the only way to create lasting change. Um, a funny little example I just thought of was uh, I have these friends, my best friends in the whole wide world, like my friend i call her my soulmate and my partner gets mad but fuck it <laughs> she's my soulmate yeah. um i remember when she got married in 2017 2016 whatever it was she had her wedding was the worst day of her life because her family was just being completely awful to her and i didn't I mean, my presence was her defense because people knew who I was. So that was good for her. And like, we got through it and blah, blah, blah. And then she's always been very timid. She's always been very proper. She grew up in like rural California where it's very conservative. So she was always that way. And I made her and her husband very liberal over the years. Uh, well, mm -hmm. you know, like moderate left. I'm still working on sure. it. <laughs> But I remember at my wedding seeing like the full extent of her change when my mother was being awful to me and we were at the venue setting up the night before or whatever. And my mom would like refuse to leave, even though we were all hungry and dying. And like, we just want, and I couldn't leave her because I run the church. So I just had to close up and she had, she was waiting for us in the car and I remember she's out of the car and she's ready to tell my mother off on my behalf in this wedding because I just could not do it. And we were talking about it at dinner. I was like, oh my gosh, Leanna, when would I have ever imagined that you would have been like an active defender in a situation with somebody that yeah. you didn't really know? Like, yeah. But that's it, right? Like she had this change because she was friends with an aggressive person and saw yeah. that there's benefits to it, right? And that's like a silly yeah. example, but it's the same with spirituality, right? How many of us have learned to be more accepting and more tolerant and more forgiving because of other people in our lives? Yeah, that's right. The, the matter and learn to accept here's here's my version of the of a uh, maybe a, a complimentary story um i got a buddy wood uh the his name is woody it's just a great name first of all but uh woody woody's a really uh spiritual guy uh probably because christianity in a different way than i do i would say and i think at first i was kind of turned off by that you know what he did one day one day we were like work function. I worked together. We were at a work function, uh, work retreat, uh, and we, it was like a multi-night thing. And and he invited me one night. He was like, "Hey, do you want to get up in the morning early and maybe do a bus study with?" Me? And at that point in my life, the answer was a hard no. I, like, no. no. What? No, I don't do that. No. 
Well, I think I, there's something about the way he me. He's a recruiter. He was, he, and I was like, all right, man. Yeah, sure. And uh, we did a, we sat down early. It was like six o'clock in the morning. Hell to get no. this down. This is something. And by the way, like uh, doing a quote unquote Bible study. Again, I grew up boring. I like, that wasn't anything. I, I didn't even know what, to, I didn't know how to rest. Like, I don't even know what that means. Yeah. Like, okay. All right. And so I sit down with him and it was the most inviting. It was about changing. It wasn't about getting me to believe what I, what he believed. Although he knew that I believed something he didn't and vice versa. It really wasn't. He chose to have a conversation with me that was so, I think he was curious. He was, he was like, here, let's read this. And it wasn't like, what do you think? It was like, here's what I think. That's probably wrong. I'm just one guy and I'm not trying to convince you anything. Let's play. And when, when he like set it up, like, let's play together. I don't I think we, it was the Lord's prayer, like it was serving on the stuff. I don't know, but it, it, it wasn't about the content. It was it was about the thing that I learned in that moment was it's okay to talk about faith. It's okay to not agree with my friend, Woody, who doesn't agree with me. And it's okay for us to just Hey, it, like that was a transformative 7 a.m. conversation I didn't want to have. But the the invitation to play and to be curious together, honestly, one, it was a formative moment. And I barely remember what we talked about. I, I barely remember the, that the, what we talked about was the point, the, that we talked the point. And I think for so many people in our world right now, they're worried about they're worried about talking to their neighbor because their neighbor has a different political sign than they are. <laughs> Right now, especially, we're talking neighbors less and less because we can see the signs in their yard. And this, we put the signs in our yard so our neighbors, like, it is, and we're afraid of the content of the conversation. And somebody's got to invite the conversation uh, because the less and less we talk, the worse and worse it gets. I, I think that is another part of the practical reality of maybe why I'm so passionate about conversations and the space between us. I agree. And I have absolutely loved this conversation. It has been very life-giving and one of those divine conversations we were talking about beforehand. Yeah. It's nice to know that somebody else feels the same way <laughs> as me. Yeah. But um, Matt, I would love to have you back on the podcast whenever you so desire, if you have any new projects or whatever if you come up with something else to talk about yeah. but in the meantime plug away at all the things that you have going on so the folks know where to find you uh, uh site between dot church everybody go to between dot church and fill out the form it's it's not a thing it's like literally email a youtube channel that's all it really is but man i think the content delivered to your inbox could be really really meaningful because it's just about transforming our conversations into special moments the way that I think they're meant to be. Uh, on social media, I, 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 I watch Twitter, but I don't be on Twitter. Don't find me there. But find me on Instagram and uh, Facebook for the older generation listening today. Uh, Instagram, today I pray for you. So the project growing out of uh, this original project that I did, which is called Today I Pray For You. So at Today I Pray For You is where you can find it. You're going to find the prayers and emotionals there. Uh, really progressive, inclusive, and interfaith uh, that I, I'm, I'm really proud of and excited about that project. So thank you, Ozzy. This is awesome. Thanks for me. Out with you a little bit. It was good to meet you and good to connect with you. 
absolutely well friends as always you know you can find us at speaking in church if you want my personal ridiculousness you can find me at josie takes the world and um, we got some new things coming up so follow along on instagram and you'll see exactly what i'm talking about um outside of that friends as always stay woke or get woke because i'll come get you if you don't okay bye This has been an Irreverent Media Podcast.